Vincent Werbeck's Derby. So I was, I was preparing uh, the talk for today. So if you're new to church, um, welcome. Hi, my name's Phil. I'm uh, lead minister here. And, um, you know, we gather together Sunday by Sunday and we, um, we worship Jesus. It's what we've just been doing through singing, through raising of our hearts and our minds to him, to, to thank him for who he is and what he's doing and what he's done in our lives. Then we pray together. We intercede as Andy's led us and we, we're praying for ourselves and our friends and our, nation, our city and our nation and we keep praying. And then we spend some time digging into the Word of God because we believe that the Word of God is powerful. It changes lives. It, as we study it, as we read it, it will feed us and help us. And so I was preparing what I was going to say this evening as we were thinking about um, tonight's message. And I was started, I wrote down my first line for tonight was, life is difficult. And I was going to do this whole spiel about how life is difficult. And then last night, the news came through about Caroline Flack. And now, I've never watched Love Island. You know, I'm a 41-year-old vicar, and the idea of watching young, attractive people running around in not much clothes, I just thought wasn't going to be helpful for me, personally, in many different ways. I don't, and I don't also really, I haven't watched any kind of the X Factor stuff or anything else that she's really been, that she's been on. But I was shocked really shocked last night to hear the news that she had taken her life. And it seems like we're in a world where actually that, that line, it, life is difficult, is just becoming greater and greater and greater. Too many different things to navigate, and it's just becoming such hard work. And before I go into anything else that I want to talk about tonight, I want to say, if you are struggling, if you have mental health uh, challenges that you're facing. Can I encourage you? Can I implore you? Please speak to someone. Do not keep it to yourself. Do not bottle it up. Find someone that you can speak to, a friend, a family member, even a vicar, worst case scenario. The Samaritans are there. That's what they do. That's why they do what they do because they want to help people. Use the resources that we have in this world to speak to someone. Do not do this alone. The tragedy that came through last night shakes us all to our core. That is not right, that we live in a world where that is now becoming normal. That is not right. Life is difficult. Please, 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 if you're struggling, talk to someone. With all of that in mind, we're, um, we're going on a journey at the moment as a church through um, Acts, the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament. And Acts is a second part to Luke's gospel. So Luke wrote Luke, funnily enough, and Luke also wrote Acts. And uh, the gospel of Luke starts with him talking to this uh, guy called Theophilus, which is a brilliant name. And he talks to Theophilus and he says, I, um, this is all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so he talked about the life of Jesus. And then in Acts, as he starts Acts, he says, look, in my former book, I talked about how all the stuff that Jesus began to do. And he implies that the book of Acts is all the stuff that Jesus is continuing to do in the lives of the people around him. 
And so we're journeying through this book. We're taking, it's, it's quite a long book, so we can't go through verse by verse. And we're taking big chunks and stuff, and we're jumping through. And today we're at a verse that I think is utterly amazing. It's chapter 6, verse 7. If you have a Bible, you might want to open it. Otherwise, it's going to come up on the screens. Just one simple verse. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's it. That's all I'm going to talk about this evening. That little verse. Before you start to wonder, hang on a minute, Phil, I thought you were a priest, and the passage is talking about priests becoming obedient to Jesus. I want you to know that this isn't about Church of England priests. This is about those previously who had been Jewish priests in the Jewish faith, that they were now coming to faith in Jesus. So don't concern yourselves about the state of the priests. That's a whole other sermon for another time. But the word of God started to spread. And a number of disciples, disciples means followers, learners uh, of Jesus, was growing rapidly. So in the midst of a difficult life, where sometimes we have to face all sorts of different challenges, and um, that can be about university, that can be about deadline pressures, essays, coursework, all those type of stuff, navigating how we do friendships. It could be about work and bosses who are really uh, um, annoying and impatient for things when they've asked their uh, associates to do stuff. It could, be about, um, uh, it could be about raising kids. Right? I've suddenly become a parent of a teenager. Well, when I say suddenly, I've had 13 years' notice that it was coming, but she's now a teenager, and it's difficult. Some of us may have elderly parents and are trying to navigate the complexities and the pain of all of that. And in the midst of that, we have this idea, if you've ever been around church for any point of time, you all thought, heard the, the phrase, well, you've got to go and tell people about Jesus. You've got to go and invite people to come to Alpha. It's week three, it's the best week to come join Alpha. And you're thinking, but life is difficult, and I'm trying to work this out, and I'm trying to work out how I can do this, how I can make the good news of Jesus spread, but I'm also trying to work out how I get my deadlines done, and how I move up in work, and how I, don't, how I say the right thing, and people don't overlook me, and all of those type of things together. Today, we're just going to look at this verse. And the story that leads up to the fact that the word of God spread and the number of disciples increased rapidly. Because there's so much in this book of Acts that we can learn from, that can inspire us and shape us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do just that. Father God, we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that you want to speak to us by the power of your word, through the power of your spirit. And you want to speak into our hearts and minds now. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were, Jenny was preaching and we were thinking about Pentecost. Uh, Acts chapter 2, that was the second part of the story that we're in. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of God, God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, had been poured out upon the followers of Jesus. And at that point, this, this celebration of Pentecost happened and they had like a, a sound like a violent wind 
in the building. And then last week, we actually had a violent wind in the building and broken glass. And so we had to cancel church last Sunday because of flying glass. We thought it wasn't a safe thing, wasn't probably the best thing to do. So uh, we have now boarded the glass up and things will get fixed and it will all be okay. But we actually had a violent wind in the church. So um, my head wanted to make a joke. I'm going to move on because that's inappropriate. Very, very inappropriate. But what happened at the end of Pentecost um, is that there was a group of people who were devoted. Because they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, they'd become devoted to each other. They'd become devoted to the teaching of the apostles. They'd become devoted to prayer. They'd become devoted to sharing what they had and giving to those in need. They'd become devoted to meeting together. We as a church have kind of interpreted that passage from Acts chapter 2, and we've taken it on as our kind of five uh, core values, our five Gs of grace and generosity and gratitude and gathers and grows. And this idea that we, we committed, we are devoted to those things. But then... What happens between there and chapter 6, verse 7? In chapter 3, Peter and John start walking to the temple. As they walk to the temple, they go past a beggar who is lame and who is placed by a gate called Beautiful. Why the gate is called Beautiful, we do not know. But that's where the beggar is placed. And the beggar has become like any beggar who sits in the same place day in, day out, asking for money. Doesn't look them in the eye, he just kind of asks for help, asks for money. And Peter and John, uh, they don't have any money to give him, and so they say, we can't give you that, but we can pray for you, and they pray for healing, and he is healed. This man who has been lame probably for years, if not for the whole of his life, suddenly can walk. And because he can walk, he doesn't just walk. Because he's been lame and now walks, he's jumping. The text tells us he's jumping because an overflow of joy because he has been changed. And he's like, this is amazing. And because someone who is by a gate, who people walk past day in, day out, and they know him to be lame, who is now walking and jumping, the other people of the time go, this is weird. This should not happen in normality. This just doesn't happen. How does this happen? And so Peter starts telling people, It's Jesus. What's happened here is it's Jesus who has healed him. Jesus, by the way, the man that you crucified, is alive, has come back alive, and is healing him. And so the people, the religious leaders of the time, say, this ain't on, we can't deal with this. And they throw them into prison, and they start to give them threats, and start to persecute them, and they say to them, Peter and to John, you must not preach about Jesus. You must not preach about the resurrected Jesus. Stop it. Stop it now. And they go, nah, we're good. We're not going to listen to what you say. We're going to listen to what we think God tells us to do. And so they keep preaching about the resurrected Jesus. Eventually they get out of um, that place, uh, that prison place at that point, and then they go back to meet with the rest of their disciples, and they pray for courage and boldness. Not boldness, that's something very different. Chapter 4, verse 29, they say this, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great 
boldness. Great boldness. So they continue. They share their, continue to share their stuff with those who are in need, and then the weirdest thing happens. First of all, Barab- uh, Barnabas sells some of his property and gives the money to the disciples so they can distribute it amongst anyone in need. And then a married couple, Ananias and Sapphira, do exactly the same. They sell some of their property, but instead of bringing it in to give to, so the disciples can share it around, they hold on to some of it. They say, ah, we're going to keep that bit. But they come in and they say, here is our gift. And the disciples go, ah, this ain't true, is it? You've, you're lying to us. He's like, ah, and he continues to lie. And then eventually Ananias drops down dead. Because he hadn't given everything that he said he had. Because he was lying. Four men come in, they pick him up, they carry him out, they get rid of him. Jewish culture about what of being around a dead body and being unclean and unclean and all that type of stuff. And so they take him out and that happens. And then Sapphira, his wife, who doesn't know by this point that her husband is dead, comes in and continues the lie. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're giving you this money. This is, all, this is what we've got from that, give, uh, selling that piece of property. And we're going to give it to you. And they're like, oh, you're still lying to us. And so she dies. And so we're starting tonight an offering for our new broken windows. So if you'd look under your chair, so that's where they are. And if you don't give what... I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm jo- it's just an interesting take on how we do giving within the life of church. If you don't give, you die. That's, that might change things. But it's a weird thing. How does this... Why is this happening? Why is this all about? And then the story just continues. You kind of don't really get an answer. And, and again, they keep proclaiming Jesus and speaking about the resurrected Jesus and then they get thrown back in jail and the persecution and the threats increase and yet they keep praying for boldness and courage and trusting Jesus and then next time they're let out of prison by this weird kind of negotiation from this mediator man who comes and says ah well come on if it's if it's really of God something good will happen but if it's not of God it'll just fizzle out just forget about it and so then into chapter six As the number of disciples are growing and the good news of Jesus is spreading, they do what all good churches have done ever since. Rotors. They create rotors. Because they need to organise themselves. They need to structure, they need to work out who's going to preach and who's going to clean the tables and who's going to serve the food and who's going to do what. And so they start creating rotors. And then, because of rotors, the word of God spread. Not just because of rotors, you'll be pleased to know, but it does play its part. Now that's the story, and that's where we get to in chapter 6, verse 7, that the good news of Jesus spread and the number of disciples increased rapidly. But what can we learn? What can we pick up? That was then, that was the things that happened in that specific context, but what are the things in the midst of that that we can place into our hearts and our minds and learn from today? Well, I reckon there are three things that we can do. And I think the key to the whole piece of this is chapter 4, verse 13. Peter and John are in prison. They're being persecuted. They're being accused by the religious leaders of the time. And we see this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John 
and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There was nothing special about Peter and John. Nothing whatsoever. They were just like me and you. Ordinary. Just normal. Not massively educated. Not kings or queens or rulers or princes or anything like that. They were just ordinary blokes. But the thing that the other people noticed about them was that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John had been disciples of Jesus and had followed him around for three years. But when Jesus was betrayed and Jesus was going towards the cross, Peter denied Jesus three times. He said, I don't know him. It's got nothing to do with me. And he did that because he was scared for his very life. He was like, Jesus is going to the cross. I don't want to die. I'm just going to say I don't know him. But something had changed in Peter from this scared, running away disciple to being someone who was being bold, taking on any threat that's coming towards him and continuing to pray for courage because he wanted to proclaim Jesus. What was the difference? They had been with the resurrected Jesus. They had seen Jesus die on the cross and then they had seen him come alive and defeat death and Peter's whole world was transformed. Utterly transformed. Life is difficult. Life is complex. The only thing that will make any difference in our lives is the presence of Jesus. So that we may be with Jesus. Degrees, husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, getting on in our jobs, all of those things might be good, but they do not satisfy in and of themselves. The only thing that transforms our life is the presence of Jesus, so that we may be with him. When I was 17, and I've probably told you this story before, but I came to faith when I was 17. I, um, I was invited on a kind of summer venture activity group with about 120 other young people, and um, we had a brilliant time. And on the Friday night, we were in a room, 120 young people, and they were telling me about Jesus. They were telling me that Jesus loved me unconditionally. They were telling me that he loved me so much that he died in my place so that what separated me from God could then be put back, that I could be back into a relationship with the God who created me and knows me. And I remember getting up, I mean, I just started crying, and I couldn't handle the fact that I was crying in front of a bunch of other young people, um, and there were girls there, so this was not cool. And so I just got up and I legged it out of the building. Now, their child protection things uh, 20 odd years ago were obviously very lax because I just legged it, and no one came looking for me or wondering where I was, but I was done. I was out of the building, down the road, jumping over a hedge, and having some time alone. But in the midst of that, what I did is I kept saying two words, the words sorry and thank you. Sorry, I I wanted to just say sorry for the stuff that I had done where I had not loved God with all my heart, soul, strength and mind, where I just not loved my neighbour as myself. And I just wanted to, I'm sorry for everything I've been doing. And then I said, thank you, thank you that you could love me unconditionally so much. And I reckon I must have been there for about an hour, sobbing my eyes out, 
in the presence of the resurrected Jesus. It was that moment that changed my life forever. And the good news is that I don't have to stay there. It's not just that that happened when I was 17. I continue to spend time with the resurrected Jesus and he continues to keep changing my life today. It is the presence of Jesus and the presence of Jesus only that will transform your situation and your life and whatever you are. They were unschooled, ordinary people, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. The second thing that we can note from these guys is not only had they been with Jesus, and because they had been with Jesus, they then had faith in Jesus. So when they were walking past the gate and the lame man was sat at the gate and he says, give us some uh, silver or gold, they can say to, Jesus, uh, say to him, uh, silver and gold we do not have. But what I do have, I can give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. They had faith because they had been with the resurrected Jesus that they could then pray for the miracles to happen and to see God at work. Faith in Jesus builds from a place where it starts from being with him. We spend time with him, we understand him, and then our faith levels rise. But we can only give away what we have ourselves. I would love to give you all here this evening one million pounds. I genuinely would love to do that. But I can't because I don't have that money. I'm a Church of England vicar. But what I do have, what I can give you, is faith in Jesus. I've been with Jesus. And now I can implore you and encourage you and I can pray for you and I can ask God to move in your life because I can give away what I have known for myself. I've been with him and then I have faith in him and we can give that away. We can be that type of community that spends time with Jesus so that we can then give Jesus away. So they'd been with Jesus. They had faith in Jesus. And the third and final thing is that they looked to Jesus. Peter and John spent their whole time facing all sorts of different challenges. Threats were made. Complex situations. Maybe it's like you, maybe it's trying to work out how do I share my faith at university? What, what, what will my hallmates and my course mates think of me if I actually tell them that I go to church? What about if I uh, say something at work? Will, will I not get the, the promotion that I've been working for this time? And, and the threats may be real or they may be perceived. And what, how do I do those things? Well, they looked to Jesus in the midst of it. They prayed, they prayed. They prayed. Because they had been with him, because they had faith in him, they could look to him for all things. They could trust him. D.L. Moody said this, Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. In other words, if we want to see the word of God spread in Derby, in Mackworth, across the university, across the city and beyond, it starts with people who pray. People who say, I have faith in Jesus and I'm going to look to Jesus for whatever the situation that I face around me. 
And some of you may be thinking, actually, Phil, you started this sermon by saying that life is tough and it's difficult, and I'm struggling enough just to kind of hold everything together and work out how I do life and all that type of stuff. And in the midst of that, you're now telling me I've got to pray. I don't have time for that. Another quote I came across this week said this, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook, I'll probably add into that Snapchat and TikTok, will be to prove that on the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. It was not from a lack of time. We have the time to pray. But it starts with people who have, want to be with Jesus, have faith in Jesus, and then look to Jesus for all things. The answer is Jesus. I know that sounds like we're in Sunday school. And some of you may be thinking, I thought the answer was squirrel. If you don't know that joke, you're in a better place than most. But the answer is Jesus. Life is difficult. How do we deal with stuff? It's Jesus. How do I work out? How do I spread the good news about Jesus? We have faith in Jesus. How do I make the most of the rest of my life? How do I work all these things out? We look to Jesus for answers. We trust him. We depend on him. It is only the presence of Jesus that will transform our lives. Personal renewal. Our personal renewal will lead to corporate renewal and transformation. If we want to see a world in which anxiety and mental health and suicide, those numbers need to drop, then we need people to come to know Jesus. We need to be holding on to him in the midst of all the pain and all the difficulties we face. If we want to see the word of God spread in our city, we need to spend time personally with Jesus so that we can give away and have faith in him to go and pray for the world and the city around us. And we need to look to him for all things. <laughs>